What a blessing. That's good. All right, keep your Bibles out. And here as we coming to the end of our stewardship month, and there is so much to address when it comes to stewardship. And everything from budgets, debt, uh, savings, preparation for retirement, so many different aspects of life. And tonight I'm going a little bit off from what I would normally teach in a stewardship month. Um, I think with, for all of us who have been around for any period of time, uh, mature adults, we have seen that the blessings that our nation has received, of course, they've come at the hand of God, but they came from following biblical principles. And one of the biblical principles that is being destroyed in our country and in our culture is work. Our nation was built on a strong work ethic. And we're looking around and seeing that being destroyed. Not only are we seeing bad work ethics, you know, when someone says you need to work hard, no, you just work. Well, if, you're, if you are working, it should be automatic, it should be working hard. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so uh, we just see the importance of it and we've seen the, uh, how not having a good work ethic has impacted uh, our, our, our country. And so the work ethic uh, that, that has been in our country and, and that influence, uh, it was because of the influence of Christianity, the influence of, of God's word. And, uh, and so in the, our, the last few war, uh, years especially, uh, there has been a decline uh, in work and it has been given a negative uh, term, a negative connotation. Uh, and the reason is because God doesn't matter anymore in our society. When you remove God from a society, you are removing more than religion. You are removing the very foundation of who we are. And so, so our society that has rejected God has rejected truth. And the consequences of no truth is destruction. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. But the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so the devil is a destroyer. He takes away. Uh, God is the one that adds to. And so uh, with, with the uh, rapid decline of a, of a work ethic... It is the result of the, the rejection of truth, the rejection of God in our society and in our culture. Our culture does not want God involved in anything. They don't want God mentioned. Now, praise the Lord, Northern California, we're blessed. We have 
Uh, we have so many blessings. Uh, Tuesday, I'm gonna, I was invited to come uh, to the Sutter County uh, Board of Supervisors and I'll be uh, opening their meeting up in prayer. And there, there, are, there are places that do want uh, God involved. And that is, that is a blessing. And we've got to make sure that we are there for those opportunities. Uh, but, but with that, we see that as a whole, our government has, has rejected. Uh, but our government is, a re, is the reflection of who we are as people. Our voting sure matters. And when we do not vote our biblical values, then we are then subject to the laws, rules that come out. But we see then how God has been removed uh, from them. So God is uh, the ultimate determiner of destinies, of course. Uh, He is the final judge. But when you remove God from uh, our life, what we see is that now uh, there, there is no authority. There is no absolutes and we can't remove God. When we remove God, we remove morality. And so, so here when we look at that, uh, when morality, when God doesn't matter, morality doesn't matter. When morality doesn't matter, there is a total collapse of moral commitment. And that impacts the home, that impacts family, that impacts every aspect of life. Uh, we see uh, a culture that uh, is, is void of, uh, of moral commitment. Uh, all of a sudden now, uh, a homosexual lifestyle doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, homosexual marriage is to be validated. And that is still, no matter what our government says, is still ungodly. And we still need to stand for truth. That is not attacking any individual. Uh, if somebody is living in immorality, whether they're living in adultery or they're living in homosexuality, it is sin. But we've got to call out both. And so uh, we, have, we have embraced and, and made it okay and become quiet with that. Uh, when you have no moral absolutes and you remove God, dishonesty doesn't matter. You can lie as much as you want uh, to, to gain whatever you want. Self-indulgent then doesn't matter. Cheating doesn't matter. Stealing doesn't matter. Uh, you remove God and all of a sudden it impacts so many areas of life. So when you remove God, there really are no more virtues that matter. Now, hey, pastor, why are, we all believe this. Why are you saying this? Because in the Christian homes in churches, we are finding that believers are embracing false belief systems, embracing worldly belief systems, and it is having an impact in not only the home, it's having the impact in the church. And if the homes are weak, the church is weak. And we've got to make sure that we are guarding our homes. And so, so with that, this, 
uh, getting rid of God, uh, we get rid of the Bible, we get rid of the prescriptions of Scripture, we get rid of the value system of God's Word, and we start replacing it with what we like. That's dangerous. You know why? Because the heart is desperately wicked above all things. We all have a sin nature. And just because we like it doesn't make it okay. Just because it's comfortable doesn't mean it's okay. And so looking here, we look at stewardship and we're going to look at, let's go back to our text, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. The Bible says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you. What's that next word? What's that word? Disorderly. Is that acceptable or unacceptable? Unacceptable. The next four words. Working not at all. What was the disorder? Working not at all. What was one of the consequences or the fallouts of that but our busybodies? So the being a busybody was a result of walking disorderly and not working. And so here, uh, tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, the theology of work. The theology of work. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray that our homes would be strengthened. I pray that our future generations, uh, Lord, would be impact. Uh, Lord, help us tonight. We have got to have a proper view. We have to pass on uh, those proper views. And so I pray that you'd help us, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So as we look at this, uh, we are finishing up stewardship. But if we're not working... There's nothing to steward. There's nothing to steward. You know, the tithes, the offerings, uh, none of that will even be an option. Why? Because there will be no income. And so here, for us to uh, to have that even, we've got to make sure that we have the proper Uh, view the proper theology uh, of work. And so tonight I want to address this issue because there is a moral decline that's so evident in our society that's resulting from the simple basic principle uh, of rejecting the simple principle of work. And so uh, we're going to look at at three things tonight. I'm going to give you the outline right off the, the bat here. Number one, work is spiritual and scriptural. Work is spiritual and scriptural. Number two, work is moral. Work is moral. And number three, work is ethical. Work is ethical. And so we're going to look at this tonight. So let's look at number one, work is spiritual. Go to Genesis chapter two. 
In the Bible, you uh, many times you want to look at the, uh, the law of first mention. And when you see how something begins uh, and God is giving instruction, you have the ability then to see what was the original intent. And if the original tent is something that you can gain guidance by, it helps us very much. So Genesis chapter 2, and look with me at verse number 4. We'll read down through verse number 7. The Bible says, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had, ca- had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Notice this next phrase here. And there was not a man to till the ground. That little phrase just jumped out at me recently. I have read that hundreds of times. But that little phrase there did not jump out at me. I had picked up the verses to follow, but that little phrase uh, God threw in there, there was not a man to till the ground, verse six, but there went up a mist mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Skip down to verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, notice, to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. What do we find here? We find right off the bat that God mentions the tilling of the ground before he has even made man. Before he even makes man, there wasn't a man to till the ground. The ground was there for man to till. And then God makes man and he puts him in the garden and he tells him to dress it and keep it. Dress it and keep it. God put Adam in the garden and he had a job for him before the fall. Before there was sin, work was not a part of the curse. The earth was not going to bring forth as bountifully and he was going to have to work of the sweat of his brow. So it was going to be harder to get that return from the earth. But the work there, God had a plan. Uh, We know that man was to fellowship with God uh, and there was a time when Adam would walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. So we know that man was created to fellowship with God, but man was put in the garden first and foremost to dress it and to keep it. And so there was work was a part of the very nature and the very plan that God had for man and mankind. So work was not a part of the curse. Uh, work was a part of God's plan before sin came. So work then is good. You know, we, we have this idea that work is bad and for some reason work has become a negative. It is, it is blasted uh, by, by employees all around the world. It is blasted uh, by 
non-employees <laughs> all around the world. Uh, work is something that has been given such a negative uh, that, that we have, we have start, started to embrace this idea, this idea that work is bad. Work is not bad. You know, work is a part of your nature. Every little child wants to work. That little, that little girl wants to help mama cook. They want to help clean. That little boy, he wants to mow the lawn until uh, he turns about 12. Uh, and he wants to mow the lawn and he wants to split the wood and he wants to do all of those things. He wants to work. You know what, what changes it? Somewhere along the line, we turn work into a punishment. Work should not be a punishment. Work is fulfilling. Work is fulfilling. You know why it's fulfilling? It's fulfilling because God has put us that in us that we are to work. And so work is, is a part of God's plan. Work is not bad. Uh, work is hard and work is tiresome, but work is something that we were designed to do. Work is scriptural. Work is uh, not working is unspiritual. Not working is unspiritual. Not working is unspiritual. It is walking disorderly. Don't get quiet on me. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. But you know it's true. It's disorderly. It is unspiritual not to work. If you, the Bible says, if any would not work, neither should he eat. When our kids were growing up, they had chores. I believe every child should have chores. I believe every child should have chores. There's still not enough there. We're just going to stay here. I believe every child should have chores. We are preparing them for life. We are to teach them how to live according to biblical principle, according to big biblical example. Uh, and so work is a part of that. That is part of uh, God's plan. So with that then, uh, we are, our kids should know, they should know how to work. They're not going to just know how to work because all of a sudden they turn 18 and some little light comes on and ta-da! Now I'm the best worker there. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to teach them how to work. And so uh, with that, uh, you know, we, we, need to be, we need to be teaching. It is disorderly not to work. Disorderly. So, so we need to be teaching so they know what to do and how to, how to work. And so uh, work, uh, number one, is spiritual and it is scriptural. So when we look here at our text, he said, uh, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Now, who is he talking to? He is talking to the church. There are adults in the church walking disorderly. We're not talking about kids. We're talking about adults. Now, adults don't work because they weren't taught as kids. Not always, but a lot of times that's the case. 
And here we have now adults that are causing problem in the church. They're busybodies in the church. And the result is they're not working. You know, sometimes uh, I'll have, I have had pastors call me and say, well, what are you going to do about this other church that's doing this? And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, who's got to, how do you even know about that? I got so much going on right here. I don't have time to worry about what somebody else is doing or not doing. Uh, I believe in the autonomy of the local church. And so uh, we, we look at that and uh, we see the, the importance. I, I mean, I, I don't have time to figure out what everybody else is doing. I've got, I've got enough to keep me busy. Uh, busy bodies aren't working the way they need to be working. If you've got time to be a busybody, you don't have enough work work to do. Come see me. Let me know. All right. Uh, but, uh, but with that, we see that uh, work is spiritual. Work is scriptural. Uh, so we need to work. Number two, work is moral. The behavior of man revolves not only around their worldview, but the actions revo- uh, re- resulting from that view. So if, uh, if work is a moral uh, amoral, then there are no implications and no injustices for not working. But that's not true. If you do not work, you are now putting a burden on somebody else. So it is not amoral. It's not, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. No, it is putting a pressure on other people unduly. Not working is a moral uh, issue. Uh, working is moral. Why? Because of the impact that it has uh, on others. And so uh, if, if work is amoral, then there are no implications or injustices created towards others. Uh, we, we just have to look around, turn on the news, and you see the homeless, uh, homelessness. All you have to do is drive down the streets And you can see the impact uh, of what is going on. And I'm not saying that everybody that's homeless does not work. There are people that are homeless that uh, have come upon hard times. I understand that. But that that is not the norm. It is it is the result of bad behavior. Now, say, Pastor, why are you teaching this? Because I love our kids. I want them to succeed. I want them to enjoy the life God has given to them. But if they don't get this one right, moms, dads, you're going to be caring for them forever. Now, somebody, uh, somebody has a health issue. I'm not talking about that. The Bible says, if any would not work, neither should he eat. Back to my kids. So when, when the kids, they had, they had chores. If they did not do their work, there was not a plate at their sitting, at their seat. So pastor, you're starving your kids. No, there's this, this amazing thing that would happen. They would run, go get their chores because they were hungry. God's ways work. It works. You say, well, you, you, you mean you would really let your child go, go to bed hungry? Yep. You're such a mean parent. 
All my kids own their own house by the time they're 23. I think I'm okay. They learned how to work. God's ways work. If any would not work. So there's a difference between choosing not to work and not being able to work. We have families here whose children, adult children, have medical issues and they would not be able to be cared for on their own. That's a different scenario. That is, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone that is able to work. Pastor, you're so hateful. <laughs> you know, we, we are for helping people. I mean, just this, a week ago, Saturday, not this Saturday, last Saturday, we gave away over 4,000 meals. That happens every month here. Every week, two days a week, there are people that come up and, and we put food out. Why do we have that food pantry? To help people. But at the same time, I don't want our kids to find themselves in a place where they are unable to care for themselves. We've got to teach them how to work. Work is, is moral. Uh, so 2 Thessalonians 6, uh, 3 there, in verse 6 through 11, uh, he said in verse 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice this. There is a commandment coming from the Apostle Paul, uh, God's word. He is commanding them something in the name of the Lord Jesus. So whatever he is telling them to do is something that is very vital. It is something that has a very uh, high, uh, high uh, uh, position here. He says that you withdraw your, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. And then the disorderly walking, we find out, was they would not work. So, here there is a command for us not even to fellowship with someone that does not work. Hello? That's, don't look at me like I am mean. I didn't write it. But you know what? The world 50 years ago believed this. Lost people used to believe this. And now the churches don't even believe it. Well, that's not very loving. So you're saying your view of love is, is more pure than God's? Hello? Amen. So work, number one, it's spiritual and scriptural. Number two, work is moral. Thirdly, work is ethical. When one does not work, it puts a burden on others. Socialism and communism, they are being promoted in our society. Why? Because we have lost our moral compass. We have lost the fabric of what we believe. And because we have rewarded laziness, We reward laziness. 
You know, when, when it's okay that your kids don't do their homework, you're rewarding laziness. Right now, their work is their, school is their job. Well, I should at least get amens from the teachers on that. But if they can go to school and they don't do their work and that's okay with mom and dad, there's a problem. The view on their work is not high. It is like it does not matter. Do you think when they graduate high school, if they graduate high school, that they're all of a sudden just gonna have this understanding that it now matters? No. Doing their chores matters. Doing their schoolwork matters. Second Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, not a suggestion. This wasn't something that Paul put out, the apostles put out uh, in scripture. It wasn't just, just set, throwing out some ideas of what might work. This was a commandment of God. Uh, he said, even we're with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Verse 12. Uh, now them that are such, we command and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. The exhortation is, get to work. The teaching is, get to work. And eat their own bread. They provide their own bread. Every adult should provide their own bread. Amen. Verse number 13, but ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Who's he talking to? Those that are working. Don't get weary in well-doing. These they're supposed to get to work, do their, uh, be able to provide for themselves. He said, but don't you be weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be, what's that last word? Ashamed. Is this God's word? Ashamed. We have we have removed shame from not working. You know why? Because we, we love them. We care about them. You can love and care about somebody, but it doesn't mean we have to condone their actions. And if we just condone the actions, now we are enabling them to continue down a path that is disorderly. And something that should be, should cause shame is now accepted. And that should not be the case. Verse 15, Paul quantifies all of this. Yet, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. He's not saying you be hateful to the person. He is just saying that this is the way it's supposed to be. 
and admonish them. Tell them, show them. You know, when, when you look in the Bible, you will not find one place where God used a lazy person. You won't find one. You will find that God used heathen kings. You will find that God used lying prophets. You will find that God used even a prostitute, Rahab, but you will not find God using a lazy person. God used a whale to get a prophet back where he needed to be to get him to Nineveh. God used a donkey to rebuke Balaam. God used a chicken to rebuke Peter. But you won't find where God uses a a lazy person. You know why? Because it's not part of God's plan. We go back to Genesis and God made us. He had a plan for it. God has a plan for our life. But we have to step into his plan. God is not going to conform to our ideas. God is not going to change his truths because of our culture or our society. As believers, we've got to change our lives according to what God says. It will not be the other way around. So several things now, I'm, I'm done. Now we're going to get to the points. Number one, teach your children to work. Teach your children to work. Teach them to work. It's hard. It is more work for you to teach your child to work than for you to do it yourself. It's tiring. Teach your kids to work. Moms, dads, you will rejoice in years to come because your grandchildren will reap the benefits of your teaching your children. I've heard people say, You'll, I can't wait till you reap what you sow, referring to their kids. And, I, and, I, every, and when I hear things like that, it just sort of smites my heart. I just, I think about that and I think, you're talking about your grandkids. Do you really want your grandkids to go a wrong direction just to prove a point to your children that your child that's going the wrong way? Absolutely not. But we've got we've to teach our kids We've got to, we, we have got to do what we can to teach them. It doesn't mean that they're all going to take what we teach them, but we are responsible to teach them. There, there, are, there are times when, because of our own free will, people will go a wrong direction. But that, that does not mean that we, we then should just throw up our hands and just say, what, whatever happens, happens. Sarah, sarah. That should not be the, uh, the case. So teach your children to work. Uh, they need to have chores. Everyone in the home should contribute to the home because they're a part of the family. The family unit works together. That's God's plan. And so, so with that, there should be that, uh, that teaching. So uh, working, have chores. Uh, your, your tots can 
can work. Toddlers can pick up their toys. They can. I remember times where David did not want to take, uh, put his toys away. And I remember when he was little uh, that we'd tell him, go put your toys away. And there were times that he didn't want to put his toys away. And so uh, you say, pastor, what did you do? I just let him do whatever he wanted. No, uh, I reached over, I grabbed his little hands and uh, I pushed him up against the toy to pick a toy up and, uh, and he would fight. I mean, he would be like, no, I'm not touching that. Uh, and I'd use his wrist and I'd pick up the toy and we'd go over to the toy box and we'd drop it and we'd go grab another one. Uh, you know what? I don't have to tell him to do anything when it comes to work. He is a hard worker. You know, your kids, we have got to teach them Teach them to work. Put away their clothes until they can get married and then their wife does that. <laughs> uh, she's still laughing. It's good. All right. So number one, teach your children to work. Number two, teach your children the value of work. Teach them the value of work. There are blessings that come from work. You know, God, he blesses when we do things right. So let them see the rewards that come from work. Reward them when they do good. Every chore, there are chores that we do because we're part of the family, but then there should be other opportunities where they can earn something. And so uh, teach your children the value of uh, work. Let them see the rewards that come from it. Encourage them when they work and then teach them to be stewards with work's rewards. And it comes around to where you see now that the children are taking what they've learned. They're learning how to be a good steward learning how to save, learning how to pay for things and uh, not going into debt. Uh, All of these principles are things that we can teach them when they're small and by the time they're adults, they will be so much farther ahead than we were. God's got a plan. We live in a society that work has become a negative and that's not the case. Work is good. Part of God's plan. So when we look at this, the theology of work, what's our mindset towards work? Is it good or is it bad? If we are looking at it negatively, we are teaching our kids that work is not good. We, we gotta make sure that we're helping them understand the value of it. The stewardship of work, the theology of work. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. I do pray that you would just work in our lives, our hearts, lead us, guide us. Uh, Lord, as we uh, are investing, Lord, not just in our own children, but uh, teaching, whether it's a Sunday school class, uh, investing in friends and family, and help us, Lord, as we are endeavoring to uh, communicate your will, your guidelines, uh, your truths. And so help us please speak to hearts. For Christ's sake we pray, amen.